0: up as if leaving the european union is not a big enough crisis
1: my pitch is very simple i'm theresa may and i think i'm the best person to be prime minister of yeah. this country.
0: i have concluded that person cannot be me i'm very proud to be carrying on for heaven's sake man go yeah. meanwhile who's batting for britain in brussels oh god you all laughed at me well i have to say you're not laughing now are you Hello, I'm Paul Osborne here at Crisis Central. We've relocated due to the never ending sense of permanent crisis that has enveloped the uk you might think that britain's exit from the european union would be on balance enough for our politicians to think about but apparently it isn't we will get on to the slow motion train crash that is the labour party in a few moments but we'll start with the conservatives after all it is their new leader who will have to guide us out of this nightmarish forest and that's going to be boris johnson isn't it having consulted colleagues and in view of the circumstances in Parliament, I have concluded that person cannot be me. My role will be to give every possible support to the next Conservative administration, to make sure that we properly fulfil the mandate of the people that was delivered at the referendum, and to champion the agenda I believing he made that announcement a few minutes before the deadline for nominations and three hours after michael gove had suddenly announced that he was a candidate for leader having repeatedly said that he was not his platform set out in a statement stop boris so now it's looking like michael gove versus theresa may i know i'm not a showy politician i don't tour the television studios i don't gossip about people over lunch i don't go drinking in parliament's bars
1: I don't often wear my heart on my sleeve. Just get on with the job in front of
0: me. Well, I can welcome uh, Robert Meakin to the crisis bunker. Robert, the whole thing of the last four months has been Boris Johnson's career. Boris Johnson's push to be prime minister. Coming out for leave when lots of people don't think he believed it. Opposing David Cameron in public for four months was all about this moment. And then he backs down. It's an incredible
1: sequence of events that no one, no one, saw. This Johnson-Gove axis. Gove was going to play such an integral role in Boris's arrival in Downing Street. Which, to be fair, he did. And which, which, of course, he did. And then we learn that Gove has pulled out. Not only that, he has said that Boris is unfit to be the next leader of this country. A staggering sequence of events. And when you also consider that Michael Gove has repeatedly, repeatedly said for such a long time that he had no interest whatsoever in being leader, it's fair to say it's blindsided everyone.
0: No one probably would have had Michael Gove down as the silent assassin. He would have had plenty of opportunities to form his conclusion that Boris Johnson was not a fit or suitable leader. After all, he spent the last four months campaigning with him, and he didn't seem to demonstrate during those four months some kind of sense this man I'm standing next to is a dreadful liability. Not at all.
1: Boris was always seen as the one who was a bit of the shyster in the mix let's be frank you know he was the one everyone suspected of doing this for sort of career promotion rather with Gove. Gove always was able to present it as a, a very principled rather tortured stand he'd had to take against his friends David Cameron and George Osborne and that It seemed to ring true, let's be honest, certainly compared to Boris, who looked a lot more opportunistic. Now we have this remarkable turnaround of events where Gove goes through all that is involved in seeing off David Cameron as Prime Minister, essentially, after last week's referendum result, and then turns the knife on his own
0: partner, Boris Johnson. Someone tweeted me earlier to say that what Boris has done is a bit like applying for a job, perfecting your CV, doing an amazing interview, and then when they offer it to you, you saying, nah, I don't want it. To which I replied, it's actually a bit like trashing the entire town in the process of seeking the job of rebuilding it, turning it down, and walking away from the wreckage with your hands in your pockets. It's whistling. Except that when I say town, I mean the entire bloody country.
1: You can certainly level it at Boris in recent days that, yes, after that dramatic victory in the early hours of last Friday... When it comes to the detail and Boris is, you know, is called and say, OK, what does this mean for the country? He couldn't give a straight answer. He immediately gave the impression, fairly or unfairly, of starting to fudge things, of trying to sort of water down everything he was saying only hours before. So for someone who is such a populist figure, he's occupied very, very difficult territory over these last few days. He's been seen as the person that, A, brought down the Prime Minister, and B, didn't have a plan afterwards.
0: Now, there's certainly no doubt that Michael Gove has demonstrated that he has the ruthlessness necessary for a career at the top table of politics. And his wife, uh, normally writing columns in the Daily Mail, seems to have become a bit of a Lady Macbeth figure, that email that was accidentally sent to the wrong person, implying he couldn't get the guarantees that he wanted from Boris Johnson, and also, Suggesting that Boris couldn't win the support of Rupert Murdoch and the editor of the Mail, Paul Dakin. Now, remember, everybody, we're all equal. It's just that if you own a newspaper, they are more equal. Now, that could count against Gove, not necessarily in the Conservative Party, but as a party leader seeking public support if he appears to be in the pockets of Murdoch and Dacre Yeah, we
1: knew obviously that these newspaper proprietors were were for Brexit. They made that, that quite clear. I still think when it does come to these uh, you know, these particularly something like a Conservative leadership contest, I think the support of News International uh, you know, of the Mail or the lack of, the, of support does still play a, um, an important role. I think they'll be very, very conscious of that. So again, that, that could well have been part of the calculation on Ghost's part, himself a newspaper man. Boris himself, also, of course, a newspaper man.
0: Well, let's move on to Theresa May, Home Secretary for six years and now wants to be Prime Minister.
1: Under my leadership, the motives of the Conservative Party will never be in any doubt.
0: Now, now Theresa May has never had the persona of being the warmest politician and is that going to be a problem for her because we've talked in the past about the difficulty making the leap from chancellor to prime minister you don't need to like the chancellor but on some level you need to have some sort of personal liking for the for the prime minister and 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 she might have a similar problem with that
1: yeah and my my theory i have to say is it it could play to her advantage we've got this utter utter mayhem presently we've had this very heightened referendum campaign this surprising result of last week and all the drama and chaos that's unfolded out of that we now have this civil war raging through the Conservative Party Game of Thrones style amid all this Theresa May looks like a fairly strong senior matriarchal boring politician and maybe at the end of all this That's exactly where the appetite will be. It's almost like after a war, you know, that you don't want the colourful figure in charge. You want a far more straight, sensible bat who isn't going to give you any unpleasant surprises, whether you always agree with her or not.
0: Let's quickly talk about what, say, in horse racing terms we'd describe as the chasing pack. Liam Fox continues to believe that he is destined for greatness, and in a way it is admirable that uh, the fact that almost nobody seems to agree with him does absolutely nothing to put him off.
1: Never ever underestimate the ego. The inflated ego stroked self importance of politicians we think would have absolutely no chance of ever being, you know, rising to the top. So many of them, I I remember one um, Labour MP once said to me, the vast majority of us in here feel like we've been under promoted. So many of them feel that they are leadership material. (laughs) You'd be alarmed to think to realise how many. And I have to say that Liam Fox comes under that category. He would strike everyone as essentially, I'd say, a middle ranking you know, cabinet minister at best.
0: I assume that Stephen Crab is running, or Stephen, who he, Crab, perhaps, is running uh, because he just wants whoever does win to give him some sort of promotion. And I assume Andrea Leadsom is just trying to cash in on the exposure that she's had during the referendum campaign by similarly seeking a, a better job. So, MPs start voting next week to whittle this down from five to two it could happen very quickly because although only one at a time is knocked out if if the votes of those three are so, so pitifully low compared to Theresa May and Michael Gove they may just voluntarily drop out and then it goes to the Tory members to make the final decision so they are the ones, the Conservative Party membership, who decide not just who the leader of the Tory party will be, who the Prime Minister will be, who will negotiate the terms of our exit from the EU on behalf of the whole country. Now, I appreciate those are the rules, but I don't necessarily think grassroots Tory activists are the people in whom I would immediately choose to play such an important decision.
1: Whatever you think of David Cameron, here's a Prime Minister who won a general election last year, narrowly won it by 11 seats, but he he won it outright. And 13 months later, we're told he's gone, it's over, and that we have to have him replaced by another Conservative Prime Minister. Now, Theresa May already today has said, I believe there shouldn't be a general election till 2020. That's four years of having a Prime Minister that the country didn't choose, potentially.
0: Let's lastly go back to uh, to Boris Johnson uh, and whether this is necessarily the end of his ambitions for the top job because a cynic might suggest that from the moment of that shell-shocked news conference the morning after the referendum dissolve, he's been pondering the fact that to be Tory leader right now, to lead those Brexit negotiations, is something of a poison chalice. Maybe, just maybe, he's hanging on in case those negotiations don't go well and there might be another vacancy, say, in 2020.
1: You can never underestimate his ambition you know, for, for all the waffle he's come out with in recent years. We're talking about a hugely, hugely ambitious man who's, off, who's often ruled himself out of all manner of things only to, only to come to the surface again and, and take the very t- the same jobs he's denied he's wanted. This is a man who said he wasn't going to become an MP when he was London Mayor. This is a man who said he wasn't going to be London Mayor for two terms. He was. It goes on and on and on. Now, I think he said the wind knocked out of his sails, but as you say... It would probably be foolish to say this is the end of the Boris Johnson political story. I think there's, there, there could be more gunpowder in him yet.
0: So that's the chaos in the governing party. Let's move on to the opposition. What we've seen in the last few days is a small number of MPs seeking... The democratic decisions of the Labour Party members and the Labour and Trade Union movement. Our country
1: is divided, and the country will thank neither the branches in front of me nor those
0: behind for indulging in internal factioning manoeuvring at this time. We have to say to the hon. Gentleman, he talks about job insecurity and my two months to go, it might be in my party's interest for him to sit there. It is not in the national interest, and I would say, for heaven's sake, man, go. were you to look up the phrase hide of a rhinoceros i would expect to see a picture of jeremy corbyn no doubt scowling mr corbyn is a little like that last guest that you just can't get rid of after a party everybody's gone home it's evident that the party is over it's clearly time to go and yet somehow he just won't budge That is certainly the view of the 80% of Labour MPs who voted against him in a no-confidence ballot, that after around 60 resigned from positions in Corbyn's team, some of them less than 48 hours after he appointed them. Now, when Mr Corbyn was elected last autumn, Harriet Harman, who'd been Labour's acting leader over the summer, told me that she would not start undermining him.
1: One of the things that I did vow to do was not do what so many other people can't resist doing, which is breathe down the neck of your successor. So far, I'm holding to my vow, but <laughs> I'm sure I'll crack soon.
0: <laughs> well, that promise came to a sudden end this week when she joined people like Ed Miliband and Alan Johnson, all saying that Corbyn must go. Tom Watson has said the same thing, but Labour's deputy leader has also said he won't launch a challenge with a top job. So that leaves Angela Eagle, who was meant to be launching a leadership bid on the same day as this conservative Conservative party leadership Armageddon was playing out, but instead is now apparently waiting to give Mr Corbyn time to develop some sense of self-awareness. Robert, whatever your political beliefs, whether you're Labour, Conservative, Liberal, this is an appalling state of affairs. We've said several times that a viable functioning opposition is a vital part of the system. And at the moment, there is barely a functioning government and there is absolutely not a functioning opposition at the very worst possible time. Incredibly depressing where we are
1: now, where we have no opposition. For all the the obvious comedy and criticism, you know, that we, we can level at uh, <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn you know, on, on, on one level. We, we go back from that and actually say that Britain, as a modern democracy, effectively has no opposition presently, no opposition. We actually have a sect running what was the Labour Party, with the vast majority of its elected members in exile the mainstream political debate is between factions of the Conservative Party, which is completely wrong, whatever your political persuasion. If Corbyn continues to be this stubborn, almost martyr-like figure and refuses to go, they're in a very difficult predicament. It's an incredible dismal state of affairs.
0: Given the uh, army of Corbynistas clearly remain convinced that he is in fact just a sort of misunderstood genius, you have to assume that it's a tough task for Angela Eagle to beat him, assuming she runs. But equally, don't rule out the impact of having pretty much every senior figure from Labour's past and almost all the current MPs moving against him. No, that's not going to swing the Corbyn fanatics. But some of those more normal party supporters who last autumn maybe bought into the Corbyn hype, probably now have significant cause to think again. And some Labour MPs have said they only acted this week after talking to their local party members who said he's got to go.
1: The parliamentary party, you could argue, was always just waiting for its opportunity to get rid of him. And and I think even nine months into his tenure as leader when it's becoming very clear that let's be honest a number of seats are at risk and we're talking you know they could be massacred if there was a general election i've often thought if it, you know I, whether it were going to be the referendum or after the next set of local elections whatever this was always going to come to the head because you've got the vast majority of labour mps just did not want him in
0: the first place now i mean no disrespect to angela eagle But she is perhaps not who many activists were hoping to see challenge Corbyn. I mean, Hillary Benn, after he was sacked last weekend, would have been an obvious choice. But he doesn't want it. Tom Watson doesn't want it. Andy Burnham has stayed curiously silent through the entire process. One um, former advisor to Tony Blair told me earlier this week that he wanted to see David Miliband get on a plane and come and rescue them. This was, he said, his big chance to be a significant global figure. But that... That's just a fantasy, isn't it?
1: The ship has sailed... I think with David Miliband, you know, certainly for now, I don't, I don't see him riding back. I know, I know it's a real fantasy of the moderate wing of the Labour Party. You can't get over the fact he, he lost in 2010. Uh, but no, I, I just don't... Right, right now, I think that would be a red rag to a bull. And I just don't think he would command the support, actually. I mean, the, the Labour Party is in the most you know, bizarre uh, state of affairs, this incestuous battle that's going on. You see Angela Eagle come forward, who I think is a... Extremely sort of likeable Entertaining Tough politician Could she in six months' time, lead the Labour Party to a general election victory. Well, I'd be staggered if she could, to be honest.
0: Now, last week, I came up with what I'd describe as a clever wheeze to use Corbyn's own tactics against him. Jeremy Corbyn was elected leader of the Labour Party because of an influx of hundreds of thousands of people who paid £3 to have their say on who the next leader of the Labour Party should be. And while this podcast takes no political position at all... If a large number of people who were opposed to Jeremy Corbyn paid three pounds to become supporters of the Labour Party and vote in the next leadership election, maybe the outcome would be different and clearly someone's been paying attention because this week a website appeared asking people to email their mp to tell them corbyn must go now it also asked for their email addresses and whether they were already labour party members almost as if they're trying to build up a database of people they could contact in the future to encourage them to sign up and vote against jeremy corbyn in any leadership election if he is re-elected There are 172 MPs, the overwhelming majority of Labour's parliamentary strength, who have explicitly said they cannot and will not work with him. This could be the beginning of the end of the Labour Party. And in case you'd forgotten, there is the small matter of Britain's impending exit from the European Union, the collapse in the value of the pound in the aftermath of the vote, the billions that have been wiped off the value of many companies, the mad scramble for Irish passports, the endless uncertainty over what leaving the EU could mean, and then the fact that the vote appears to have been some sort of catnip for the kind of racist cretin that we'd all hoped to have left somewhere in the 1970s. Robert, one of my favourite films, and I'm going somewhere with this, is Network, which is this 1970s movie in which a TV newsreader goes mad and becomes this kind of ranting prophet of the airwaves. And in one of his outbursts, he repeatedly shouts at his studio audience, we're in a lot of trouble! We are in a lot of trouble! We are, and that scenario could never
1: happen now. That could never be a real scenario in 2016, could it? A mad media personality...
0: Heavens no! (laughs) ...coming rising to the top. (laughs) Uh, And while we're in endless chaos with... Almost hourly videos emerging of racist incidents up and down the country. This guy has taken the vote as a signal to continue insulting as many Europeans as he can find. Isn't it funny? You know, when I came here 17 years ago and I said that I wanted to lead a campaign to get Britain to leave the European Union, you all laughed at me. Well, I have to say, you're not laughing now, are you? And the reason you're so upset, the reason you're so angry, has been perfectly clear from all the angry exchanges this morning. You, as a political project, are in denial.
1: Seeing him appear this week, and uh, it, it was—it was very reminiscent to me of an Alan Partridge-type character. That, needless to say, I had the last laugh. Uh, catchphrase of his. It was yes. I think I think to put it very politely, we looked a very. Uh, eccentric nation in the eyes of Europe when we had Nigel Farage standing up to represent us. It was the most graceless whether you are a Remainer or a Leave campaigner, it was the most graceless victory speech you could imagine. Now
0: look, no one is suggesting that these 17.5 million people who voted to leave the EU did so from a position of racism, but there is no denying that vote has enabled a great deal of racism in the last week it has empowered people who do hold racist views and it's demonstrated there are still and i apologize for the language a lot of assholes in this country and honestly i would rather have had a chance to vote to get rid of them yeah i know we touched on
1: this uh, last week as well what what the vote did prove is that you know well while, while, you know for argument's sake, people in the media community like us. We all we all meet people and debate and all the rest of it, but it's still a probably a rather enclosed sort of community, largely a fairly moderate group of people to the moderate left, the moderate right, whatever. The that you know, there's there's another huge section of the population that felt hugely disenfranchised, who have you know, who who speak, shall we say, about issues like race and immigration in a very different way that we find hugely offensive and uncomfortable. But have we had a proper grasp of this, yeah, how, how far this really goes? I'd argue we probably haven't. And it's a wake-up call for us to understand this. However unpleasant and nasty this section of England may be, it's a very real section of England.
0: So the referendum has triggered the biggest political and economic crisis in Britain. In decades, possibly since the Second World War, a global economic panic, arguments between friends and within families, and racism on the streets. Well done, everybody. Well done. And that's the cheerful note on which we will end this week's podcast. Assuming the whole country hasn't burnt to the ground, we'll return soon. We'll be keen to hear your views about the continuing chaos via Twitter at Paul Osborne. For now, though, thanks very much for listening, and goodbye.